Today's gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1, and this will also be the text for our sermon today. Our Lord Jesus says this, Judge not that you be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and from God our Father and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. And we are getting towards the end of our Easter season, if you will. Uh, one person asked before the service, do we, do we light this candle? What's this candle about? This is the Christ candle. And so we, celebrate, or we light it during some uh, seasons of, of celebration, right? And so Easter being one of those, Christmas being another. So the, the theme of our sermon today is, is judging others. And Ooh, who's excited about that one? Who, who likes to be judged, right? Who likes to judge? <laughs> Don't judge me. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that? Right? It oftentimes doesn't feel, in fact, I don't know if it ever feels good to be judged by others. It hurts, there's pointing out something, and so yet we, we walk through this world, and it's always the narrative kind of running in the back of our mind, will people judge me for this, for, for what I'm wearing, for how I'm speaking? If I walk into church, will I be judged? Will the, will the building collapse if I go into the church? Will my parents approve? What will they think? What will be their Judgment. Judgment is whew, uncomfortable. And boy, nothing worse than hypocritical judgment. Don't judge me. Judge not. That is something that's common in our world today. And Jesus agrees with you to a point. To a point. So let's talk about that today. What, what does judging as followers of Jesus, look like. We are, through the Easter season, going through our series, through the Matthew, through the Sermon on the Mount. This is the way, Sermon on the Mount, being the most famous sermon of Jesus. It's a, it's a sermon that when Jesus got done preaching, the crowds were awed and amazed at how wise he was, unlike their scribes and Pharisees. 
Sermon on the Mount is important for us as, as followers of Jesus. And so today we, we look specifically at this passage about judging. And in our world today, this might be one of, if not the most quoted scriptures that there is. Judge not. Lest ye be judge yourself. But what's important for us, and here's your lesson on biblical interpretation today. What's important for us is that we have to keep the text in context. Right? We don't just take a few words that Jesus says and pull them out of the context Put them on a bumper sticker or meme and say, there it is. See, Jesus said so. No, we take it and we read things like judge not lest you be judged within the context of Jesus' greater teaching. We keep the text in the context. And so Jesus does say that, right? He does say, judge not, lest ye be judged yourselves, unless with the same measure that you use against other people, you are also judged. But he gives us an illustration. What's that illustration? (laughs) That illustration is about looking at the, the speck in our brother's eye. Now, Jesus, as we understand, was a builder carrying on family trade and probably had some sort of uh, understanding of working with wood. Wood probably wasn't the primary building material in the Middle East at that time. It was probably stone, but good chance that Jesus knew what working with wood was like. And he knew sawdust was a thing, right? And boy, did it feel good to get a speck in your eye? No, no, it didn't. However, he tells us, his followers, that before we're concerned about the the speck in our brother's eye, we need to remove the log from our own eye. Now think about how absurd this illustration was. You ever have a log in your eye? A little bit odd, right? Kind of grotesque, if you really think about it, if you take it to its logical conclusion. Uh, It's absurd. I think Jesus had a sense of humor. He's making a joke He's getting the crowds worked up at this point. They're like, oh, Jesus, that guy, that guy. And Jesus gets done talking about a log in your eye. And just as he has the crowd in his hands, he flips it and says, hypocrites. It's not a word that Jesus used lightly. Primarily, used in regards to his enemies. So when Jesus uses the word hypocrites, we should probably listen. 
First, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So what does that look like for us today? How do we take the log out of our own eye? Well, I would say confession. We do this. We confess. What do we do? We confess two things when we come to church on Sundays and hopefully other days of the week too. We, we confess our sins. We confess. We take time of silence. We, we think about the things that we've done that we shouldn't have done. We think about the things we shouldn't have done or the things we should have done that we didn't do. We acknowledge them. We own them. We confess them to the Lord. But not only do we confess our sins, we confess our Savior. We confess Jesus. That's the creed. We confess our faith. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus, the one who has saved us from the logs that were in our eyes. The one who has had mercy on us. The one who has forgiven us. We confess our sins to him. happens when we do so? Our posture starts to change. No longer are we looking at the speck in our brother and sister's eyes in order to accuse them, in order to show them how bad they are. No, we, 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 we recognize, ooh, we're just as bad if not worse. So, when we're confessing our sins and when we've had this posture change, we recognize something else who we're dealing with. We're dealing with brothers and with sisters. That's what, what Jesus says in, in, in our text, and specifically in verses 3, 4, and 5. Jesus says three times, Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Three times he uses brothers. Of course, that's brothers and sisters, right? His point is a point of relationship. Last verse of our text today, chapter 6, Jesus gives us sort of a, a difficult, challenging illustration. Right. What does he say? He says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, admittedly, from the beginning, there have been a variety of interpretations of what Jesus meant here. And it can be a little bit challenging. But here's how I understand it in context of judging. The pearls there, and here's the, here's the hard part. Jesus doesn't tell us exactly 
what the pearls represent, what the holy things represent, what the pigs and the dogs represent. We're supposed to gather that from the context. Some have thought, well, maybe the pearls refer to the gospel itself. Now think about this. Don't give the gospel the only thing that can save the only thing that can save us from our mess in life, don't give that to other people. <laughs> to, and, then, and we have to judge whether someone is a pig or a, a dog. Like, it just doesn't fit for me. Here's what I think. When Jesus talks about holy things, about pearls, he's talking about our brothers and sisters. He's talking about Relationships, other people, people he cares for, people that he died for on the cross. People are precious in the sight of the Lord. People ought to be precious in the sight of the Lord's followers. So we don't take pearls and holy things and our brothers and sisters and judge them harshly as if it doesn't matter kind of come at them and be like, you need to fix this. You need to stop that. No, no. We treat them like the gift, like the precious pearls that they are. Gently, lovingly, patiently. So, when a spouse sees his, his or her spouse doing something that isn't right, what does that person have to remember? It's not about right or wrong. It's about the relationship. When a parent sees their kids acting out, squirming in church, being a little too loud, maybe acting out in, in community, in the community, embarrassing. What, what do parents have to remember? What is Jesus saying? It's not about doing the right thing. It's about the relationship with others. When someone at work, a coworker or a, a boss, sees maybe their, their coworkers or their, their employees not doing what they should in their job, what we as Christians, as followers of Christ, recognize is that it's not ultimately about the bottom line. It's not ultimately about finances. It's not ultimately about productivity. It's about the relationship. This is the way. And so when we look at things like Building use and about how, uh, about whether or not uh, the church and school are working as closely as we could be, about the, the, the need that we have as the church side for space, for whatever ministries. What do we do? We don't, we don't focus on primarily, merely right and wrong about whose property it is or how it should be used most effectively. No. As Christians, 
as followers of Jesus, we focus primarily on the relationship. Brothers and sisters, other human beings who are precious to the Lord. I've heard it said this way, that, that people don't care what you say. People don't, I butchered that. People don't um, care what you know until they know that you care. There it is, right? People don't care what you know until they know what you care. It's about the relationships. This is the way, friends. This is the way. Not only is it about the relationships, but for Christians, for followers of Jesus, relationships, they are the ultimate purpose, the bottom line. They're the things that on the last day, when we look Jesus, our judge, face to face, that he'll be concerned about. Jesus goes on, though. And what he says, it says in, in verse 5b, uh, second part of verse 5, he said, well, let me read the whole verse. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then, and then, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So our posture has changed. Our understanding of who we're talking to, it's, it's changed. They're precious to the Lord. But he doesn't say, just leave the speck in there. Don't deal with it at all. No. That's not at all the case. In fact, sometimes the very loving thing that someone can do is remove the speck from a loved one's eye. Think of the parent who, whose child comes to them crying, I've got something in my eye, and it hurts, right? Loving parents, you say, well... Too bad for you. Sorry, not my problem. Deal with it yourself. Hmm, that doesn't seem very loving. Nor do parents go in aggressively, quickly, harshly, digging in the eye, trying to find the speck, causing more damage than the speck itself. Now, what what do parents do when their child comes saying, I've got something in my eye? They Get down. They, they look. All right. Okay. Move your eye. Oh, this hurts. Mommy, this hurts. I know. I know. I know it hurts. I'll try to be gentle. Okay. Now let's, let's lean over the sink and we'll splash some water in your eye. Try to flush it out, right? If that doesn't work, then, then you bring in other help, maybe medical help or whatever. But you, you get the point. That as Christians, when we deal with sin in others, it's not that we never deal with. It's not that we never judge or discern. Oh, but when we do so, we absolutely need to do so slowly and gently and patiently. 
with our hope, with our goal to make that other person healthy again. Jesus says in this passage, for with the judgment that you use, the measure you use, it will be used upon you. Reminds me of how Jesus opened the Sermon on the Mount, right? The Beatitudes, the beginning, the doorway into the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And we have. We've received the mercy of our Lord. He, he looked down from heaven and he looked and he didn't just see splinters in our eyes. He didn't just see specks in your eyes. He saw logs and it was killing us literally. And he looked down and saw we were not doing the thing that he asked us to do. We were not loving him Above all other things, we were not loving others as he's loved us. He, he looks down, he sees the mess, and what does he do? What's his judgment? Mercifully comes down, walks amongst us in this world, sees firsthand the brokenness, the hurt, the pain. He sees the morning, people who've lost loved ones, sees the ailments, sees how broken this world is, and he says, I'll take the log. Some of it, as a, uh, an image as it is, the cross isn't something pretty. The cross is pretty grotesque. Pretty gruesome. Jesus going to the cross, beaten, bloodied. Crucifixion, we know from history that it was regularly promised. Probably thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people died by crucifixions. Uh, The Romans didn't invent crucifixion, but they certainly perfected it. It was made to maximize the pain of the individual, to be as public as possible so that people could see how gruesome a crucifixion was. And when that was all done, bodies were taken down from the cross and they were just bulldozed into a a mass grave and that person was meant to be forgotten forever, erased from history. Jesus Christ is the only individual we know of that suffered crucifixion and his name lived on in history. Might have overstated that just a titch. But the point remains. Jesus was meant to be erased. Why do we remember him? Because three days later he got up. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. 
He has had mercy on us. He has defeated our sin. He has defeated our death. He has defeated Satan himself. He has removed the log from our eyes so that we could see clearly, so that we can have life and life eternal, so that we can be restored as human beings, as followers of Christ. This is the way, friends. We follow this Lord and Savior because it is the only way of peace and life and salvation. If you don't know Jesus, if you're still on the fence about him, I, I pray that you come to study him, know him, learn him more deeply. Trusting that as you follow him, that he will be your gracious and merciful judge today and for eternity. Amen.